0: Hello and welcome to Inside EcoDevo, an economic development podcast helping Missourians prosper. On this episode, we're talking about the Missouri Technology Corporation, better known as MTC, and sitting down with us is Jack Scatizzi, the Executive Director for MTC. Jack, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm sure there's a lot to jump into with MTC, but before we do that, if you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself. How did you come to be the Executive Director for MTC?
1: I don't know that we have enough time to go into that. Um, But like most people who find themselves in in entrepreneurship and innovation, it's a winding path. It's not a linear path. So I'll give you the 30,000 foot view. Born and raised in St. Louis. Uh, For those people who are from St. Louis, I went to Lafayette High School. Did undergrad at Mizzou. Got a a degree in biochemistry, uh, which was in the ag school. After that, I went to St. Louis University. Got a PhD in immunology. And then after that, I moved out to uh, California, specifically San Diego. Spent about a decade in San Diego where I just collected a very random assortment of experiences ranging from, I mean, I moved out there to be a postdoc. So I was doing academic science. I was doing bench research first at UCSD and then at the Scripps Research Institute. From there, I transitioned over to kind of getting into the commercialization of science did some work um, mostly as an intern with the Scripps Tech Transfer Office, kind of saw how they licensed technology that was being developed at the Scripps Research Institute and how they were working with startup companies and spinning out companies and, and things like that. From there, I started working with one of the largest and most active angel networks uh, in the US, Techos Angels. Uh, worked with them for about probably a year, year and a half uh, on a voluntary basis. And then they offered me a full time job to kind of run their entire back end, which was everything from being out in the community to, you know, uh, identifying um, entrepreneurs and deals that they would like to look at to recruiting those into the pipeline, overseeing kind of the the pipeline, and then kind of doing a lot of the due diligence and some of the post uh, uh, investment work as well. So while I was with Techos Angels for that probably three-year period, they were averaging, or Techos Angels San Diego, they were averaging, I think it was twelve million dollars worth of investments in about thirty uh, different companies. That was a really high deal volume, and that kind of opened my eyes to to early stage investing. From there, I held a couple operational roles with, with some different startups. I think I've raised about. Three million dollars total for four different startups that I've held operational roles with. Launched a with some partners launched a seed fund and accelerator. Did that for about a year and a half, and then in about 2018 or so, decided to move back to St. Louis. Spent some time in the St. Louis entrepreneurial ecosystem. Worked with organizations like i10, Arch Grants, uh, BioSTL, BioGenerator, and then uh, applied for the. Uh, the executive director position of Missouri Technology Corporation. So, there's no straight line in that incredibly winding path, but it made me a natural fit for this position because I had experience in early stage investing. I had experience in kind of ecosystem building. I had experience working with founders. Had experience working with with other seed stage investors, and so I kind of had all of the pieces. That, that MTC works in.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about MTC. Yep. What is Missouri Technology Corporation? What happens there? What do you guys do?
1: So, Missouri Technology Corporation is a public private partnership. We are not a state entity or public private partnership, which gives us some additional flexibility. We're governed by a 15 member board that is appointed by the governor. Uh, it does have uh, a handful of set positions. Uh, University of Missouri has a representative, the Senate has a representative, and, and the House has a representative. We are a nonprofit, but we serve a unique role in that we are in the state's budget. So we do kind of operate like a state entity, but we have the flexibility of being a private nonprofit. Our mission is to drive economic development in the state through the advancement of innovation and technology. More specifically, we're really looking at providing support generally from state funding or federal funding sources to catalyze innovation and entrepreneurship with the state in order to lead to outsized economic development impact. So we're trying to help the early stage companies that are leveraging technology and innovation that could grow into large corporations within the state kind of get to, to their inflection point. We typically work with companies, provide some funding when they're at the four, five, six. And then the goal is to get them to 100, 200, 300 people with strong presence in, in the state. So that's how we try to leverage the state and federal support into in economic development. It is more of a long game than some of the other more traditional economic development activities.
0: And. When you're doing that work, what does that work look like yep. when you're working with those examples of, of how you guys go about
1: meeting that mission? Yeah, so again, great question. We essentially have two main programmatic activities. And these programmatic activities are, are very interlinked, and I don't think people always think about them as being linked. So the first that we do is our goal is to expand the entrepreneurial capacity within the state. We do that mainly through grant-based support to either universities or to entrepreneur support organizations. And the goal is to leverage state and in some cases federal funding to ensure that every entrepreneur in the state has the resources, whether that's a place to work, whether that's mentorship, whether that's any resource that they may need in order to grow their business. It's our job to make sure that those resources are available to the state's entrepreneurs and that, that those resources are available to any Entrepreneur in the state, no matter where they're located. Again, we do that through grant-based support. Over the past decade or so, we've provided grant-based funding to I think it's 60 organizations and and over 30 million dollars worth of grants. So I mean that's pretty significant amount of grant funding. The other programmatic aspect that we do is we run a state-sponsored venture capital program. So we actually provide direct funding to the state's most promising entrepreneurial endeavors. You know, again. Those that are generally seeking venture funding, those that are going to be more higher growth potential, those that are going to be leveraging some type of proprietary uh, innovation or technology. And the way that the two actually intermingle is kind of interesting. By expanding the state's entrepreneurial capacity, we then get better investment opportunities in the state. By getting better investment opportunities in the state, our state-sponsored venture capital program will return higher returns. So we'll make more money off of our investments. The money that we make off of our investments can then get recycled back into driving the expansion of entrepreneurial you know, ecosystem support. So we have a, uh, you know in our in our PowerPoint slides, we have a kind of a cool like two boxes with arrows and showing that, you know, the more time we spend, you know, expanding entrepreneurial capacity the better the investment opportunities we get, the better the investment opportunities we get, the more money we can eventually put back into expanding entrepreneurial eco.
0: Do you guys have or keep data on the kind of economic impact of all that that you were just explaining there?
1: Yeah, so we do. It's easier to track the economic development impact on our state-sponsored venture capital program. So for that, um, since about 2011, we've invested, I think it's nearly $47 million into over 145 Missouri-based companies. And those companies have gone on to raise $1.3 billion in additional private capital. And I believe when I last looked for fiscal 22, those companies had created or were responsible for nearly a thousand jobs and it created nearly, I think it's about 200 to 300 new jobs. Just in fiscal 22. And when you start looking at that portfolio over about a three year process, you know, I mean, what they're responsible for, you know, probably 3000 jobs and, and creation of nearly 1000 jobs. So a lot easier to measure economic development impact on the state sponsored venture capital side, because there's 145 companies, we can clearly figure out how many jobs they have what their wages are, what their revenues are, what, what, what their taxes paid to the state are little harder on our grant side. Because by design, we provide funding to a lot of different types of organizations and that those organizations are doing different types of programs which have different economic development impacts. So it's a little harder to come up with the clean numbers of exactly how many companies you know have been worked with or exactly what support ha- has gone to because a lot of times we're providing support to say you know Missouri Innovation Center uh, in Columbia. you know we're actually providing, state support for that physical infrastructure. Well, that physical infrastructure probably houses 20 to 30 entrepreneurs in it that are running, you know, multiple companies. Some of them need wet lab space. Some of them need, you know, more flexible office space. So it's harder to identify what is the economic development impact of the state ensuring a facility like Missouri Innovation Center is running at full capacity to a region like central Missouri.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And then People who, who use these programs and your guys' services, mm-hmm. since you guys are similar to Missouri Partnership, uh, which is kind of a, an arm, so mm-hmm. to speak, of DED, they're you know, public, private, very similar to you guys. They're actively you know, seeking out projects with companies and stuff. Are you guys actively approaching individuals or businesses, or are they coming to you?
1: We don't do as much direct recruitment as Missouri Partnership does. And the reason for that is we strive to maintain an equal and competitive playing field for all of the state's entrepreneurs. So we more broadly market our programs and we work very closely with those entrepreneur support organizations and and physical infrastructures that we've provided funding to through our grants to make sure their entrepreneurs are aware of our programs. But we've shied away from the direct recruitment because we do want our programs and our state and, and, and access to our state and federal funding to be available and equally accessible to every entrepreneur in, in the state. So it's a little bit of a fine line how we do that. We, we usually prefer to work with our partner organizations and have them do the recruiting on our behalf it also allows us to kind of go into some deeper training and deeper understanding with our partner organization so that they can then look through their roster and identify who's probably the best fit. I don't know whether that answered your question. No, it
0: it, it answers it uh, perfectly. and It kind of leads me to my next question, us talking about the partners since DED and MDC are partners. Can you talk about that partnership and then maybe how it kind of dovetails into that previous question?
1: Yeah. So, and I think, you know, you mentioned Missouri partnership, and I think this is when I first started, as executive director, as, as you can tell from my intro, I have no real experience in economic development. I had no real experience in you know, public sector. So when I first started, our chairman was Jason Hall, who's got a long history with MTC and, and he now runs greater STL in, in St. Louis. He told me something that has stuck with me this full time. And it's like really simple, but until someone points it out to you, it's not obvious. When you're looking whether it's on a local level, so either, you know, county or city level or on a state level or on a national level, there's only three ways to create a new job. So the first is you can work with the businesses within your region and help them expand their capacity. And if they can expand their capacity, they can add more employees. And that's what DED does. DED does a great job at working with the businesses already in the state to make sure they've got the resources And everything, you know, possible, whether it's, you know, grant funding, whether it's one start, whether it's the regional engagement team or whether it's the the tourism industry with everything that the tourism is doing to make sure that they have everything they need to be at full capacity and to be employing as many people as they possibly can employ. So that's the first kind of bucket. The second bucket is you recruit a new job, and that usually involves going to a region outside of your region finding a business and recruiting them to your region. And that can either be moving the entire business or that can be putting in a new division or that can be putting in a new site or or something like that. And that's what Missouri Partnership does. And Missouri Partnership is very good at that. Their job is to recruit new businesses to Missouri. The third way to create a job is to actually create it from scratch, build a brand new company. And if you build a brand new company, well, then that that is a, a new job. And that's where MTC comes in. And so that's kind of how we work in partnership is if there are three ways to create a new job in the state of Missouri, all three of those organizations, DED, Missouri Partnership and MTC need to be working together. And we're not competing in any way, shape or form, because we're all going after job creation in, in, in a very different way. But it also allows us to kind of blend what we're doing together. MTC focuses more specifically on you know working with high growth potential companies, those that could in a three to five year period, go from four or five, six employees to 30, 40, 50, you know, a hundred employees, and, and that's kind of where we're focused on. It then leaves a little bit of a gap, and this is where we do a lot more work with DED on. Well, what do we do for you know, mainstream entrepreneurship? And and a lot of the grant based support that we give is for general entrepreneurship within a region, and you know, we take a rising tide lifts all boats approach. So if we can shore up general entrepreneurship in a region, well, then that's going to be beneficial to the high growth potential entrepreneurs in in that region. And then as they float up, we can identify them and we can provide them additional financial support through our our, uh, state-sponsored venture capital.
0: And to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that, with that work that you're doing with DED, I'd imagine you're working closely with the regional engagement team because they're, you know, in those those regions. So if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the other various teams within DED and how
1: that work looks. Yeah. So I mean at the top, the director of economic development actually sits on our board. That that's one of the the named positions. So Maggie has a position on our board. So just through that we have strong engagement with, with DED. You know, DED leadership sits on our board. DED leadership helps make strategic decisions. We also work very closely with Shad Burner and the Federal Initiatives Team because through ARPA funding, we've been, been given $95 million of federal capital to deploy through the, the State Small Business Credit Initiative. So we work very closely with Shad and his team on being able to deploy that capital. On the Regional Engagement Team side, it's a lot of just information flow back and forth. So when we launch new programs or as we've got a new application uh, cycle open, it's a lot of communicating that to the regional engagement team to make sure that then flows down throughout the entire state. You know, they're the people who have the best understanding of what is going on in their region, who needs help and who qualifies for different programs. So we look to them to kind of be kind of our boots on the street, along with our you know grant partners to say, all right well, in my role, decks, I know these three or four entrepreneurs, I, I want to make sure they're aware of this. Or, oh, we do have a new entrepreneur support organization that just opened in our region. I need to make sure they're aware of this grant program. Or, hey, you know, we just launched a, a physical infrastructure grant. So we're looking to them to identify who has physical infrastructures that maybe aren't on our radar, that we haven't been providing funding to in the past, and, and make sure they're getting into our funnel. So, that's how we use regional gateway team, and then same thing is when they're out and they identify someone that says, "Hey, I'm I'm looking to raise venture capital." They say, "Well, you know, do you realize the state has has a venture capital arm? You know, if not, you know, can can we introduce you to Missouri Technology Corporation?" So,
0: out of all that, you quoted some fiscal year 2022 numbers, but is there any like specific success stories that like really puts into perspective <laughs> the work that MTC has done?
1: Yeah, I mean, so one of the most you know, highly visible success stories is Benson Hill out of St. Louis. You know, so as the story goes about 10 years ago, the founders and and early management team of Benson Hill was trying to decide whether to create the company headquarters in St. Louis or in North Carolina. The CEO was from North Carolina, but the technology was from St. Louis, more specifically from the Danforth Center. There were a handful of organizations, MTC being one, BioGenerator being another. Um, I think you know St. Louis Archangels, who stepped up and said, "Well, we'll provide your first like half million dollars of funding if you put your headquarters in St. Louis." And the CEO said, "Well, sure. North Carolina isn't coming to the table of capital. If Missouri's, you know, able to come to to, to the table of capital, we'll put our headquarters in in, in Missouri." Fast forward almost a a decade later, Benson Hill opened, I believe it was a $250 million headquarters on the 39 North Campus in Creve Court in in St. Louis and was, I think, at about 150 employees and looking to hire up to the 250 to 300 range. And within a couple of months of that, they completed a reverse merger and are now a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. We are one of the... You state-sponsored venture capital programs who made a seed investment in a company that then went public on public exchange.
0: That's going to be exciting.
1: Right? Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at economic development impact, you know, we were able to participate and, and provide funding for probably five or six years of the company through three or four rounds. And then we essentially got them to the point where Google Ventures came in and started leading around. And at the time, Benson Hill was Google Ventures only non-coastal investment. So think about that. Google Ventures, one non-coastal investment, was in an ag tech company based out of St. Louis. That brought a lot of interest to St. Louis, to the ag tech scene that, that was being built up in St. Louis. We were able to continue providing financial support to the company until it got to the point where we essentially handed over to professional investors. As those professional investors came in, we were able to sell off a portion of our assets. And actually before the company went public, we had actually returned all of the state's capital back. And and now we hold publicly traded stock. That we could liquidate when whenever we need capital to, to do another project.
0: That kind of big project there, big success, yep. obviously, there has to start the the ball rolling down the hill where just more like you said, there's more interest in that sector yep. of St. Louis because that work was being done. So can you talk about, you know, how do you guys, you know, take that success and like okay, now we're gonna almost like you're jumping up a couple of rungs yep. on the on the playing field, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, so if you look at, you know, St. Louis has, has been building out biotech and ag tech for 20, 20 plus years. And organizations like BioSTL and Biogenerator and, and Danforth Center and, you know, WashU have all been critical in, in kind of building that. Um, and the interesting thing is, so Danforth Center built its facility in Creve Corps. And then the area around it was kind of known as 39 North and, and other ag techs kind of flocked to that area. And including that were a number of MTC portfolio companies. Um, and that, by the way, is right across the street from Bayer, which used to be Monsanto. So you've got the Bayer headquarters across the street. You've got Danforth Center, and then you've got now the Benton Hill building, I think Covercrest, uh, which was another MTC portfolio company that uh, just went went through an acquisition recently. You've now built this critical mass, and, and actually St. Louis has more PhDs in agriculture than per capita, than anywhere else. And so now the question starts to become like, what can you do with that? Um, And we're seeing a bunch of really amazing ag tech companies come up, Solus AgroSciences, Impetus Ag Tech, that MTC is then investing in. And again, we're getting in at the seed stage. We're being able to invest through these companies. These companies are then going on and raising large amounts of capital, but then they're repopulating in that area. And every time a company grows and repopulates in that area, it just builds more of a density. And, And I think it was just announced maybe two weeks ago, The 39 North District has formed its own nonprofit to actually focus on the generation of building a district and how do they actually start to cohesively build this district and how do they start to add things like coffee shops and co-working spaces and things to really make it an actual ag tech district as opposed to just a collection of buildings and ag tech tenants. So that's exciting. What's also exciting is the two companies that provided financial support, and are taking leadership roles in it were Covercrest and Benson Hill. So two early stage companies that MTC and others in in the St. Louis uh, risk capital scene funded for a number of years until they kind of blew up are now paying it back to the community to say, we really like the close-knit community we had, but let's build it. Let's really build this out. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, historical stacking.
0: I'm guessing it doesn't always work out that way.
1: No. I mean, looking at our entire portfolio, I think it's seventy percent of the hundred and forty five companies are still operational, which is really incredible since the rates on on venture capital are running in I don't know the twenty to thirty percent. We are doing better at funding companies that are able to survive, but not all of them have delivered acquisitions. I mean, I will note just to balance it out. We do make a, a number of investments in Kansas City. One of our other more successful, from a, from a turn standpoint, investments was Pay It, uh, which is government tech based out of Kansas City. They've been semi-acquired by private equity, and and every time more capital comes in from the private equity firm, MTC gets a, a really nice return check. And again, that was another one where we were some of the first investors in that company. Um, I was talking to the to the founder, one of the founders uh, a couple of years ago, and he was like, yeah, MTC wrote a check when no one would write a check for us. And now I think, again, they're employing 200 plus people in, in Kansas City. They've got a huge presence in, in the Kansas City area. Those are our success stories is when we can take these founders that have an idea and a dream and and maybe have you know a tech team and maybe have a sales team and, and see them grow into these large corporations who are then anchors in those innovation entrepreneurial communities.
0: When you're talking about these companies coming together and forming, you know, figuring out how they're going to form their own ag tech uh, mm-hmm. district. When that happens, when, when a, you know, quote unquote district of an industry is created, mm-hmm. what is the benefit? And I'm sure it's probably an obvious question, but I do want to ask it. The, the benefit of establishing like, hey, this is the district of X. What does that do for the community and the spurring on of economic development?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's two ways of answering that. And the first, I'll go back to just kind of a story from from San Diego. When I was in San Diego and, and when I worked at UCSD and then when I worked at Scripps Research Institute, within walking distance, you had, I think it was, four like top 100 research institutes. You had UCSD, you had Scripps Research Institute, you had Sanford Burnham, you had the Salk Institute, and you had the Loyal Allergy Institute. And they were actually so close When we were at the Scripps Research Institute, we would actually go to Sanford Burnham to use their cafeteria because their cafeteria was better than our cafeteria. Like that's how close. And then again at San Diego, it's always perfect walking weather. When you congregate that high of a density of like-minded people, interesting kind of collaborations and innovations kind of work their way out. I think that's kind of the beauty of building a district, is if you take a place like St. Louis and as St. Louis was building an ag tech scene, and there was a lot going on in ag tech in St. Louis. Well, how do you make sure it's all going on in the same area? And then how do you make sure there's like one coffee shop that everyone is hanging out at? How do you make sure there's one meeting space where everyone's hanging out at? And how do you make sure that there's a spot when someone comes to meet with Benson Hill, and then they're meeting with Covercresses in the afternoon, there's something for them to do for a couple of hours? You know, interesting story out, out of San Diego that kind of like, cemented this concept of just like getting people together and interesting collisions happen. There was a, a venture capitalist well-known in the area. It was also well-known that any day that he was in San Diego, you could find him at the local coffee shop from about eight 30 to 10 30 in the morning. And he was willing to meet with anyone that walked in, didn't even need an appointment. Just everyone, all you had to do was email his admin and say, Hey, is he in town? And if he was in town, you could swing by. And if you just had a quick question, you could answer it. That was literally his like two hours, kind of go through emails and just meet with people. Well, he tells a story that he sits at this coffee shop pretty much every morning. And he realized there was someone else sitting at that coffee shop for pretty much every morning as well. And so then he started talking with him. Ends up, it was a top scientist at Scripps. And to date, they've spun out at least two companies. And I think one went public. And that's literally just because you got two like-minded people, one representing risk capital, one representing the innovation side, sitting at the same coffee shop for a, a long enough amount of time that they finally just went up and introduced each other.
0: So the potential for you know these districts is that they're going to spin off other companies that are going to expand the industry that they're working yeah. in, but also bring in other businesses like a coffee shop or a yeah. restaurant or entertainment or, yeah. or what have you. It's like a hub of... Obviously, they're not making a district in the thought of, oh, we're going to spur economic development in this community. But the offset positive thing yeah. of that is it happens.
1: Yeah. And I'll add what you end up seeing is it's not always the spin off. It's that partnerships start to form, resources start to get shared. It's easier for people to find new jobs or move up or things like that if everyone's just kind of in an area and, and knows each other.
0: I want to take a little bit of a step back because we've been talking about tech companies that Mm -hmm. you guys have been working with and tech sectors and all that. What kind of tech companies are you guys typically working with? Is there a set requirement for a company to, to hit? Is it always tech? Is there some kind of outsiders? What's the playing field on that?
1: Great question. No straightforward answer, but welcome to venture capital innovation. There's never a straightforward answer. So what I'll say is the beauty of us Being a state-sponsored venture capital firm as opposed to a more traditional venture capital firm where we have limited partners and we've told those limited partners who gave us money that we're then pooling together and investing that we're going to generate a financial return for you. One of our key metrics, and and this doesn't mean that we're not interested in financial return for the state, is economic development. Because we're interested in in delivering economic development, we don't have to be as return-focused. So if we're not as return-focused, we can actually have a broader investment thesis than some of the more traditional venture capital firms. So we don't have to be all software or biotech or ag tech-driven. So we actually highlight and are proud of the fact that we're sector and industry agnostic. So if you look across our portfolio, we have everything from we're in ZAF Energy and Acer Technologies, which is developing brand-new battery technology, And they're based in Joplin. That is incredibly capital intensive, requires a lot of money, and venture capital kind of shies away from that. But state-sponsored venture capital is able to participate in it because of the ability for it to create jobs in an area like Joplin. Uh, We're in a company, uh, Thermovant, out of Columbia. Again, I can't tell you what they do because it's highly uh, top secret. They've got new technology that is used on satellites, and it's used to cool satellites. That's about as far as I know, and that's about as far as I can go. But last I checked, they had probably 50, 60, moving towards a 100 highly paid engineers in Columbia, Missouri, and they were recruiting engineers from beyond just Mizzou's uh, engineering school and Mo and engineering school. They were actually recruiting engineers nationally to come to Columbia. Again, very hardware specific, not really in the wheelhouse of a lot of venture capitalists, but huge economic development gain, you know, a company that's growing that quickly, that's adding that many high paying jobs in in a sector like, you know, engineering, that's incredible for the state. We have biotech companies, we have ag tech companies, we've got, you know, enterprise software companies, we got consumer software companies, we've got, we have pretty much everything in our portfolio. And we're actually proud that our portfolio contains everything because that means we're doing our job of trying to drive as much economic development and supporting as many high-growth entrepreneurs as possible within the state. So long answer is we're open to anyone that's high-growth and is leveraging some type of proprietary uh, technology or innovation.
0: Okay, gotcha. Something I've asked a couple of different guests on here, and just because it's related to economic development, it's the big talking point right now is the CHIPS Act and then mega sites. Where do you guys fall in in helping in those initiatives?
1: So the answer is not directly. So mega sites, you know, that's more traditional DED and Missouri partnership. We're working with the smaller company that at some point in time may need a nice site. The Benson Hills, the Cover Cresses, the you know, pay it's thermavants, staff energies of the world that when we invest in them, they're like a dozen people working out of an office building in just a, a general commercial real estate area. And then at some point they now need their own building. And you know, when we're making our first investment, they're usually Three four years away from from needing that, so I wouldn't say we're active in in site selection or, or, or site management. But if we do our job properly, if we invest in enough companies, we should be producing a pipeline for the state of people that are moving from co working or small office leases to the larger you know full tenant di build out type type of spaces. On the chips act, MTC doesn't like to apply for federal funding. Because we would just then be distributing that funding to the people who probably should have applied for it themselves. And so then that makes us a weird middleman, which makes us not really attractive to receive the funding. And it is just better for the, the people or the organizations that want the CHIPS funding to, to work directly with the government on that. So we play more of a support role. We provide letters of support. We can use our grant funding to serve as uh, matching funds. If anyone is using that CHIPS funding to develop new technologies and spin out companies, we can use our state-sponsored venture capital program to provide seed capital. So we play more of a support role in CHIPS. That being said, in the fiscal 23 budget, we were awarded $15 million for an advanced manufacturing grant program. Through that, we awarded, I think it was just under $10 million to the API Innovation Center in St. Louis. Uh, They're developing new technology to develop the active pharmaceutical ingredients, which are critical to the development of drugs. And right now, most of those are made offshore um, in China. And so they're trying to develop pathways and and processes to scale up some critical APIs for some cancer drugs and things like that, that we need to make sure we have the ability to to develop those uh, onshore. And then we also, I think, awarded uh, about $5 million to Jordan Valley Innovation Center uh, at Missouri State to build out their semiconductor node. And so they're doing a lot of work with flexible semiconductors, and and they're developing kind of a node to help spur innovation within the semiconductor and flexible semiconductor space.
0: Would it be safe to say— and correct me if I'm wrong here, MTC helping tech business of any kind get started. And then once they want to expand, it's like, okay, we got them started, regional engagement, help them expand.
1: Yes. I mean, I think when you look at where we play in lifestyles, and so if if we take a step back, and if we look at our state-sponsored venture capital program, so right now there are three sub-programs in it. We've got tech launch, which is investments up to $100,000 and usually targeting pre-seed investments. We've got our seed capital fund, which is up to $500,000, generally targeting seed stage. And then we've got our venture capital fund or program, which funds up to $2 million for later stage growth investments. So. Yes. If a company comes to us at the pre-seed stage where they've, you know, got the idea, they maybe have a minimally viable product, they've maybe done some piloting, some beta testing, they've got some people using it. You know, we could invest up to, you know, $100,000 into say a half a million dollar round. And so they would, you know, need to find another three to $400,000 of external private investors. And then the state actually uses that. We use that as the validation that this is an attractive investment opportunity. So if someone comes in, uses our, our tech launch, $100,000, to get beyond MVP, to get into a commercial product, starts doing some scaling, and then needs to start to build a sales team, needs to start build out more on the tech side, we have our, our seed program, which is up to half a million dollar investment. And those would those investments are generally in rounds that are from about 2 to $5 million. So I think, yeah, at about that point in time, the companies should be engaging with the regional engagement team. And a lot of times those are the introductions we're making. You know, when they come to us and say, hey, your venture capital is great, but we need help hiring. Okay, well, have you heard of Missouri One Start? Oh, well, we need help with business grants. All right, well, have you looked at the federal initiatives team? Have you looked at, you know, all of the other grant programs? And a lot of times that's where we are then facilitating that introduction to the regional engagement team. And we're saying, hey, here's the regional engagement team in your region. You should be building a relationship with them. They should know who you are, and they should be letting you know when, when there are opportunities within the region. So I do think it, it does kind of seamlessly kind of work together in that we're kind of working at a stage where it's probably too early for the regional engagement team to get in. But at some point, the regional engagement team needs to be aware of the company so that DED can provide additional support to the company as it grows.
0: Are you ever working with individuals who... You know, they haven't formed a business yet of any kind. They just say, hey, you know, I have this idea, but I don't really have anything substantial yet. Are you guys working with people like that?
1: Not directly. And that's usually where we then tell them to go work with one of the organizations we funded through our grant program. And again, this is how things all kind of connect. So if we've done our job and if we've expanded the entrepreneur capacity in the state, any entrepreneur in the state should be able to find the resources that they need. And so when someone comes to us and says, hey, I'm interested in venture capital, but I just have an idea, our answer is usually, well, what region are you in? All right, here's the places and people you should be talking to in that region. You know, come back to us in in 18 to 24 months.
0: Gotcha. Okay, uh, switching gears just a little bit, what work is MTC doing right now in in, in this present moment?
1: Yeah, so again, if we go back and we look at our two different programmatic activities, we've got expansion. Um, of entrepreneurial capacity. And and that's our our grant based funding. And so annually, usually in the fall, we open up our MOBEC, which is if I'm going to get the acronym right, it's Missouri Building Entrepreneurial Capacity grant program grants up to I think it's $300,000 on a two year grant. And again, that's for universities or for nonprofit entrepreneur support organizations that are developing programs and resources to help entrepreneurs grow their businesses or form their businesses. We just, probably two weeks ago, launched a new grant program called our Physical Infrastructure Grant Program. And this is where we're providing, I believe, up to $200,000 in funding, one-year grants for nonprofits and and economic development-focused organizations that are operating physical infrastructure. And so we, last year, published catalyzed innovation report, which was the culmination of a strategic initiative run by MTC and, and consultant economy partners out of Ohio, kind of looking at identifying the challenges that the state would need to overcome in order to accelerate the growth of our innovation entrepreneurship, and in order to surpass most of our peers and, and become a leader in Midwest in, in innovation and entrepreneurship. One of the challenges that they identified is that there are pockets where entrepreneurs have strong access to resources, including physical infrastructure, but there's a lot of areas in the state where entrepreneurs don't have access to physical infrastructure. And, you know, when you're thinking about, like you just said, the entrepreneur who has an idea, hasn't really formed a company yet, they can't go get a commercial office. Those are like three to five year leases, requires, you know, personal loan guarantees and, and things like that. So this is our attempt and this is a pilot Looking to expand it moving forward to make sure that entrepreneurs throughout the state have access to flexible physical infrastructure. That could be anything from co-working space. That could just be access to high-speed internet. It could be, you know, access to meeting rooms. It could be, you know, private office space. But we want to make sure that there's an infrastructure throughout the state where any entrepreneur who has an idea that is tired of trying to build it out of their garage or out of their bedroom has access to to the physical infrastructure required to to grow their business. So that's one of our new programs. So those right now are our two main programs uh, on the entrepreneurial capacity side. And then on the state-sponsored venture capital side, as I, I mentioned earlier, we've received $95 million from the federal government to provide financial support to small businesses. We're putting probably two-thirds of that into our state-sponsored venture capital program, our idea fund, uh, to be deployed over the next eight years or so. And we're working to identify some other partners to kind of deploy that other third of capital that's going to be more targeted towards Main Street businesses, so not high-growth technology companies, more traditional small businesses, but it's going to be very specifically targeted to underrepresented founders and rural entrepreneurs.
0: With the work that's happening right now, there's a company out there that's listening to this episode and they're like, I want to take part on that. How do they get involved with you guys to do that? Is there anything they need to know going in?
1: So everything is actually on our website, missouritechnology.com, I believe. We've got pages dedicated to each program, when programs are open, we've got grant guidelines and we've got applications available. So everything you should need to get a basic understanding of the programs and, and whether you're eligible or whether it even aligns with what you're looking for is available online. We also, for each program, um, have contact information for, for who you can, can reach out to, to to get additional information.
0: Just one more thing on that yeah. before we go to the next question. Is there like any kind of commonalities of mistakes or things that people do that you go, hey, if you just avoid this, we can get through this a little bit better? Anything, I guess, advice for people yeah. who are working with you guys like, hey, just don't do this and you're probably going to be good.
1: So on the grant side, I think the biggest thing we see is people don't think through the narrative of the grant proposal. And so as someone in marketing and communications, you'll you'll appreciate this. Like if you haven't been able to clearly define the problem within your region, and then if you haven't been able to align your solution with that problem, and then if you haven't been able to provide evidence as to how your... Program, project, organization is successfully addressing that problem. That's when grant proposals don't score very well. So it may be a region that we would like to provide funding to. It may be an organization that we like and believe in. But if you don't build the right narrative that kind of brings in problem, solution, data, traction, whatever you want it to be, it's hard to be competitive compared to the other organizations that are submitting applications. And then it's kind of a similar thing on the state-sponsored venture capital side. I would say the two biggest things we see is, you know, companies are applying for venture capital funding, not really understanding what venture capital funding is, or not really having thought through whether venture capital funding is the right way to fund their business. So probably in any cycle, a third of our applications, it's, pretty clear when you look at it that these aren't venture capital ready companies or that these are companies that probably are going to be attractive to venture capital. And so it, I would just say, and that goes back to if you're looking at this program and you're not sure whether you're a high growth potential venture backed company, like, Go talk to some of the entrepreneur support organizations in, in your region, and they should be able to help you think through, all right, our bank loan's best for me to grow my business. Our business grant's best is venture capital best, because venture capital is not the best way to grow every business. So that's kind of the first one. And then the second is going back to kind of the same narrative. Like, if you can't clearly identify the problem you're solving, how your technology solves it, and then be able to show some type of traction, it makes a very hard for that to become a compelling investment opportunity.
0: Okay, good tips for anybody <laughs> listening out there there. Uh, okay, so we talked about uh, work currently happening. Mm-hmm. What's on the horizon? What's the future of MTC look like?
1: On the state sponsor venture capital side, trying to deploy $95 million worth of federal capital. I mean, that that's going to be a task, you know, identifying the right partners to deploy the what's called CD capital, uh, which is the, the programs that'll be more specifically targeted to uh, underrepresented minorities and rural entrepreneurs in the state, making sure we've got the right blend of programs so that we, we are making this capital available to, to all the entrepreneurs in the state, but also just you know ramping up our, our state-sponsored venture capital. That's our most forward-looking on, on kind of that side. Also probably looking at, we've got three sub-programs. Are those the right three sub-programs? Do we need to add more programs? Like, you know, just kind of taking a look at that holistically, like taking a step back, looking at what the market needs are. Do we have the right programs and sub-programs to actually be able to deploy capital throughout the state for the SSBCI program? On the grant side, like I, like I mentioned, you know, we released Catalyze Innovation last February. If anyone's interested in kind of understanding how MTC and the state are, are going to be looking at Catalyze Innovation, you know, throughout the next five to 10 years, The executive summary is available uh, on our website, but on the grant side, it's really going to be focused on, you know, to economy partners identified five strategies and 16 recommendations. And so it's how do we start matching our resources, both capital, so state appropriations and people to start. Start to address as many of those strategies and recommendations as possible. And so, you know, the first one that we're rolling out is the physical infrastructure grant program. This summer, we're going to be hopefully launching a regional node planning grant program. So again, kind of in this, how do we start to connect all of our resources? We're wanting to work towards funding regional nodes. And the best way to define a regional node is what is the front door in a region for an entrepreneur to walk through to get access to all of the resources in that region. And right now, not all of our regions have good front doors. So MTC is going to work to make sure we've got good front doors. That way, every entrepreneur in a region knows where they should be going, who they should be talking to, to get access to all of the resources. And those resources could be the DD regional engagement team. They could be the entrepreneur support organizations we're providing. It could be the chamber of commerce. It could be other members of the entrepreneurial community that could serve as mentors. But then the beauty where MTC is really interested in going is once we've established these regional notes, how do we then connect these regional notes? So then how do you have an entrepreneur in say Joplin that needs help or needs access to a program that is offered in Kansas city or St. Louis? And then how do we really start to make sure that any entrepreneur in the state has the infrastructure to get access to all of the support that MTC is funding throughout the state. So that's kind of where we're, we're going on that. Um, also looking to to kind of really build out some of our marketing and comms and make sure we're, we're telling our story and make sure we're telling our success stories as well.
0: Well, hopefully this, this episode helps in, in <coughs> yeah. the vein of telling your success stories and, and the work you guys do. I have one last question here that wraps us up, but mm-hmm. before I do that uh, we've covered quite a lot with MTC. Yeah. I just want to open the floor to you. If there's anything we miss that you think people should know.
1: No, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I mean, just at, at the 30,000-foot view, you know, I mean, MTC is highly focused on driving economic development through the support of innovation and entrepreneurship. You know, we are more focused on high-growth entrepreneurship opportunities, and, and that's with our state-sponsored venture capital program. But we try to make sure our entrepreneurial support through our grant programs does kind of cover all entrepreneurs and, and does provide a general level of support for any entrepreneur in the state, not just high growth entrepreneurs.
0: Here at the department, and I know MTC, not DED proper, but you're, you know, one of our sister organizations, one of our partners. So I think it's apropos to have this motto kind of associated with you guys as well. But the department's motto is helping Missourians prosper. Mm-hmm. So the work that MTC does, how does that fulfill towards that mission?
1: I mean, so I think if we just kind of, boil things down to the most basic prospering is having a job going back to the previous conversation, is There's three ways to create new jobs in the state. You know, DED is working on ensuring companies currently in the state have maximized their operational capacity so that they can be offering as many jobs as possible. You know, Missouri Partnership is recruiting new jobs to the state, and and then MTC's job is to make sure there's a new batch of of companies, you know, constantly being created. And I think I think as Mo SourceLink kind of has been tracking new job growth creation in the state over the past three or five years, and it's something crazy like eighty percent of the new jobs in the state over the past five years have been from startups, and, and startups are defined, I think, as new companies less than three years old that have below a certain number of employees. That doesn't mean that large companies aren't constantly hiring, but they're not necessarily creating new positions or they're not necessarily growing. The growth and the new positions are actually coming from from startups. Um, and so that just kind of shows that like the work that MTC is doing is actually, you know, it's it's a very important portion of that kind of pyramid of of building jobs in the state.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, very well said. Jack, we've been going for quite a while here. Uh, hopefully we covered a lot of good information that anybody listening will glean on to and hopefully some some companies benefit from it as well. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my Sounds my like you guys are very busy and will be very busy yep. with all this stuff coming up. So thank you very much. Oh, my
1: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside EcoDevo. We have great episodes coming your way every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us what economic development topics you want to hear more about. This helps us fulfill our motto of helping Missourians prosper by bringing content to our listeners that they want to hear. Leave a comment on an episode or send an email to ded.communications.com at ded.mo.gov and stay tuned for more Inside Ego Devo.